0: Welcome to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. This special series features some of Milwaukee's most distinguished leaders. They'll share how they overcame challenges, developed their skills, and achieved success, so you can gain insight and inspiration. And now, Leadership is in Session. Well, welcome, everybody. Today, we are in the studio with Dr. Camelia Clark, our friend and colleague, and we're here to talk to you about something that I don't think people think about on a daily basis, and that's death care with dignity. Dr. Clark, welcome. Thank you for having me. Dr. Clark, you are the president and CEO of both Paradise Memorial Funeral and Cremation Services and the Leon L. Williamson Funeral Home. And you have a unique set of skills. And that is because you work with families, you're serving families during their greatest time of need. And that is because they've experienced the loss of a loved one. And sometimes that's a surprise. Talk to us about your work. Again, thank you for having me here today. A little bit about what I do.
1: I've been in an industry about 27 years, and I've had the privilege to serve people at their most vulnerable time of their life, at some points the lowest time of their life. and. I like to describe what I do and what I can give back to the family is making a very difficult time a little bit easier by helping them to create and celebrate their loved one's life in a life in a way that's going to help them on a healthy grief
0: journey. And how did you get into this industry? What piqued your interest and when? My interest into the death care industry started
1: in high school from a career fair, ironically, yes, from a career fair. And it was a by chance moment with an individual who was in the industry and I had a five minute conversation with him and that five minute conversation Help to shape the purpose that I have today, and that's
0: serving those in great need. So talk to us about that conversation. How did that go? And what made someone like you as a young high schooler say, I think this is the journey that I'd like to pursue?
1: That conversation, it was the spark initially started with my mom who talked about this profession, but she didn't get the opportunity to go into it. So I believe that conversation and those conversations with my mom helped to guide me to stop and have that conversation with that gentleman. And it was a really quick conversation about what he did and his passion to serve and his passion to help and how fulfilled he was. And and I never forgot that. I never forgot that I came away from that conversation wanting to know more, wanting to, research more about the profession as a young individual, young aspiring student that really didn't want to go the traditional path of becoming a lawyer or a doctor or one of those traditional paths. And so this was this profession, the career was to me, I didn't know a lot about it And to learn more about it, and then not only to learn more about it, but to find out that was my calling, that was just absolutely amazing.
0: So what did your educational journey look like once you said, okay, I think I'm going to commit to this? How did you proceed through that path?
1: The educational journey really started with going to make the commitment, this is something that I wanted to do. And talking to local entrepreneurs and local funeral directors in my community, starting with recommendations that came from teachers, that came from clergy members, and having those conversations with them and getting that, the buy-in saying, yes, this is a wonderful profession. We think you will excel. Once I became secure in that, then I started on a journey and I journeyed through MATC pre-funeral service program and then went on to an actual mortuary program. And after that, you do an apprenticeship and then you apply for licensure with the state. So that whole educational journey is a three and a half to four year process when you put everything together.
0: And speaking of putting things together, you actually work with your husband. And so it is a family business and you have now a legacy business and again I would imagine that this influences because you do work with your family this influences the way that you're able to care for other families who are coming to you will you talk to us a little bit about that I think working with uh, being a legacy business
1: is so unique in itself having an opportunity to work with my husband having an opportunity not only to work with him with my sister and now son and other family members who's come into the industry over the last 27 years, it's really, really helped me to be able to fine tune and communicate, communicate at such a high level from a professional, from a business and from a personal and understanding how all those different dynamics can really impact relationships. And those relationships can really impact service delivery so being very intentional with the communication with my husband and the family members it's just it's really really allowed us to become the best in class because we're always conscious of the family dynamic and we know how if the family dynamic is not correct then what your service delivery is not going to be what it can be and also communications with the family so i think that the best thing with being a legacy business is The opportunities and the challenges that come with working together as a family, but ultimately, we all have the same goal and the same purpose, and that's to be the best in class and to serve the family with the best possible experience that we can give them.
0: And speaking of family and legacy and the career that you have put together in the industry, I don't know that... Everybody all of our listeners know what historically funeral homes in the black community have meant. Will you talk a little bit about specifically what they've meant for Milwaukee and how you are now continuing on that legacy?
1: Yes. There with the African American funeral homes and the the African American funeral homes along with the churches It's been a strong relationship throughout the years during the civil rights when individuals didn't have places to meet. They met at the local funeral homes when in secrecy to be able to come up with strategies of how to navigate the different laws like the Jim Crow's and what they can do for the community. And so. It's a really rich history between the community and the funeral homes because funeral homes, the African-American funeral homes, have always been a hub to where they're giving back to the community, whether it's through programming, whether it's through causes, whether it's supporting the church, whether it's supporting the family unit. So they, funeral homes historically have been a silent pillar in the communities that has not gone unnoticed. In fact, when Martin Luther King Jr. passed away, when he was killed, the last person to witness him being alive was the limousine driver from the funeral home. He was being transported via the limo of a local funeral home. And so how we are still carrying that legacy through here in Milwaukee, we acquired last year the eldest funeral home in the city of Milwaukee, African-American Funeral Home in Milwaukee, which is almost 75 years old. And it's the Leon L. Williamson Chapel that we have. And that funeral home has been the site of so many meetings, so many strategic meetings with churches, with community leaders. And it's right there in the heart of the community. And it is such a gem. And we are so fortunate to be a part of the story, the historical story to Milwaukee that has given so much to Milwaukee. And we look forward to giving so much more in the future, starting with now.
0: So I feel like you're being a little bit modest about that because as I know how you worked through that, you were actually tapped by Mr. and Mrs. Williamson. Yes. To take over their family legacy business. And that was pretty monumental. Will you talk to us about how that made you and Marcel feel how you what that means to your family? We received a call and we were sitting actually spending time with another
1: colleague. And throughout the years, we would always help and whatever they needed. We were always there as a resource. And to receive that phone call from him asking my husband and I, He sharing that he would be honored if we would acquire his funeral home so that it doesn't close the doors because he was ready to retire and he didn't have any family members that was looking to go into the funeral industry. That phone call was so touching on so many levels to have one of your colleague competitors, but your friend to call you that care so much about their organization that they are looking for the right person to take it over and to take it to the next level. That to me was one of the highest compliments that I could ever have received as a business leader. As entrepreneurs, the one thing that we have, our entities, our organizations, our businesses that's an extension of us. Sometimes at some level, you can put them on the same level as a child of yours because you have really birthed this entity and this entity is so intertwined in your everyday existence. And because he was the second generation, it was such an honor that he really looked at my husband as an arm of that as the third generation. And so we don't look at it as the first It's we are now taking this entity, this funeral home, this legacy business into the third generation and to be able to represent this beautiful gem back to our community, to the city of Milwaukee to take it, For another 75 years, that is a challenge that we're up to and it is nothing short of amazing. And so taking that entity over means legacy to me.
0: And you use that word. I'm so glad you brought it up because the legacy initiative that you and Marcel identified for your business is how will you be remembered? Why did you choose this? What does this mean?
1: How will you be remembered? That legacy stands on so many levels, whether it's living or whether it's in sickness or whether it's in death. What you say to people and how you make them feel, they'll never forget it. What you do and how you contribute, people will never forget that. It's not the things that you buy. Sometimes it can be, but most of the times it's not. But it's how do you really want to be remembered? And... We have that conversation with people that come into our funeral establishment that wants to pre-plan, and we have that conversation with families who are coming to arrange the funeral services, the celebration of life for their loved one. And so we are absolutely honored to be able to have that conversation starter to help people decide, how do you want to be remembered? And when you start to think about how you want to be remembered, that opens up different conversations about purpose. That opens up different conversations about passion. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Start thinking about you and the contribution that you're going to make. So when we developed that and we adopted that as our motto, as our legacy of what we're trying to accomplish, we were the first person that we asked ourselves that question. Mm. And every day, we're asking ourselves that question. How do you want to be remembered? In different contexts, sometimes it's a very simple statement, and sometimes it's very expensive. It changes based upon purpose, but how do you want to be remembered? That's a question that allows you to continue evolving and continue questioning your passion and your purpose.
0: So your passion and purpose beyond all of your substantial expertise in the death care industry, you are very involved in the community and you sit on boards. How will you Dr. Camelia Clark be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? That's a good
1: question. And every day I ask myself that question and it comes back to something very simple. I want to be a helper of people. Hmm. And being a helper of people for me has evolved from sitting in that arrangement with that husband who's lost his wife or the mother who's tragically lost her son or daughter and making a difficult time a little bit easier by creating, helping them to create a service that celebrates the life that their loved one lived. And if you're able to celebrate properly a life that someone lived, however you want to celebrate it, that then creates the journey to a healthy grief journey. So that's been the answer to that question on one day. On another day in a a different context, I want to be remembered by being a helper of people. How do I help and how do I influence the next generation of women? Mm -hmm. How do I help and how do I influence the next generation of death care professionals? How do I want to be remembered? How do I help influence the next generation of entrepreneurs? How do I want to be remembered? How will my children remember me? And so, again, I take that question and it starts off very simple. I want to be a helper of people and depending on The service that I'm providing, it can be different every time, but it still goes back to being a helper of people. That is my purpose and that is my passion.
0: How does equity play into all of this?
1: Equity play into all of that because we can have the same, we can have similar opportunities, but if we don't have the same resources or access to resources, we're not going to come up with the same outcome. And so... I believe being a helper of people, I believe that people need to be exposed to different resources. People need to be exposed to different networks. And we need to be taught how to be exposed to those different networks and given access to those resources.
0: So how gratifying will it be when no one needs to ask you that question, when no one needs to ask you, what is it like to be among the first women, among the first women of color to hold key positions of leadership and power in your industry?
1: I think that would be, that's going to be an exciting day. That's going to be a time where we are going to have such diversity among gender, among thought, among people we are going to have, I believe, will be a time to where we will have support at the local level, at the regional level, at the government level, to where we are able to appreciate the diversity and the value that everyone bring to the table. And I believe that's going to come from having those conversations, different roundtables, tables. Being in different networks and caring about people, caring about others lived experiences, caring about what, what motivates you, what's your passion and taking a little bit and putting it all in and mixing it all together to come up with this wonderful spice. And you never know what you're going to get mixing a little bit together, but it's usually always a beautiful outcome. So that's going to be. A beautiful day when little girls can understand that I'm going to be able to compete on merit and not on gender. People of color will be able to compete on race and not on bias. People of other faiths and nationalities will be able to compete on morals and values and not on preconceived notions. I'm absolutely looking forward to that day and smiling when that day comes.
0: I feel like that was the perfect way to wrap up our conversation. It's clear, Dr. Clark, you and all of the work you undertake, you approach with such integrity and dignity. And I know, again, when you're working with families during their times of greatest need, that you are a source of, of compassion and love and caring. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. Be sure to catch all eight enlightening episodes. And don't forget to connect to On the Edge of Equity with Tammy Belton Davis, available wherever you get your podcasts.